So the title of this series that we're launching today is See. And there's a famous mathematician, philosopher, writer, by the name of Basile Pascal. Anybody ever heard of Pascal? Pascal? He was a mathematician, philosopher in the early 1600s. He actually died at the age of 39 because he had very poor health. But he was a brilliant mathematician and physicist. Some of the things that he discovered and wrote at 16 years old, we still use today. He discovered what they call now as Pascal's triangle, where the two numbers previously give you the sum of the next number, and, and it's used in things until this day. And this guy was brilliant. And he had an encounter with God when he was around 18 years old, give or take. And this is one of the things that he wrote, okay? He said this, there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of each man which cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by God the creator, made known through Jesus Christ. I'm going to read it one more time. There is a God-shaped vacuum. Now, it's interesting that he compared it to a vacuum because he's one of the guys that in math and science and or in physics, better said, came up with certain of the theories of a vacuum combating some of the things that Aristotle and Plato had said years before. And a vacuum, okay, I'm not talking about Hoover, right? Okay. A vacuum is a space entirely devoid of matter. So this guy who was a, a, a brain, a, this physicist in the area of physics and mathematics knew exactly what a vacuum was, an area devoid of matter. He says this quote, thanks Stephen for putting the definition, go back to the, the quote for me. A God-shaped emptiness void of matter. In the heart of each man, which cannot be satisfied. Now you think of the word satisfied. Something that satisfies you, that fills you in entirety, right? That cannot be filled or satisfied by any created thing. See, even in the 1600s, and I'm going to show you in the Bible from the beginning of time, man has been trying to fill voids with things, stuff, people, careers, houses, you name it. And Pascal wrote and said, we have a shaped vacuum, God-shaped hole that cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by God the creator made known through Jesus Christ. In other words, every single person has a God-shaped hole in their heart. And we have been trying to fill these holes, cover these holes, with different things. Now, if you go with me to Genesis chapter 3, we're going to start in Genesis chapter 3 this morning. Genesis chapter 3, we find ourselves, I'm going to give you a little where we find ourselves here in Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve have been created. Adam, made by God, formed him out of the dust of the ground, breathed air into him, gave him instructions. You can eat anything but this tree of fruit, of, of, the tree, uh, of good and evil, the knowledge tree. You can eat anything but this. The serpent, the devil, comes to Eve, Adam's wife, and says, hey, 
is this truly what God said? I mean, and she says, hey, God said you can't eat this because you're going to die. And he says, does he really say you're going to die? She puts doubt. So Eve eats the fruit. Adam sees her and is like, what you doing? It's like, I made dinner. It's good. Adam takes the fruit, eats it. Notice I'm saying fruit. It does not say in the Bible it was an apple. Most depictions of stuff say it's an apple, but it just has a fruit, okay? It's like Jonah was not swallowed by a whale. Maybe it was a big whale, but the Bible says it was a giant fish. Anyways, verse number seven of chapter three, this is where we are. After Adam eats the fruit, then the eyes of both of them were opened. The eyes of both of them were opened. They saw. And they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Watch this. They eat of the fruit. Sin enters. The Bible says that Adam and God walked throughout the garden together. But the moment that the eyes were opened because of sin, the communion with God was broken. Enter the vacuum area of devoid space that only could be filled with relationship with God, which could no longer be filled because of sin. So instantly there's a vacuum that's created in Adam, in Eve, and in mankind. And so they try to cover this vacuum by getting fig leaves and sewing them together. And God says, because they, they, they go and they hide. And God's like, Adam, where are you? And Adam's like, God, you know, we, we, we hid because we were naked. And God's like, how do you know you're naked? Did you eat of the tree? Like, like, like the parent. You ever been a parent? You know what I'm talking about as a parent? You know your kid did something? And you're like, they're like trying to hide the thing or whatever. And it's like, I don't know what it was the other day. One of my daughters did. And, 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 and I didn't even have, I just, I just knew it. And I can't remember which one it was, so I won't say a name. And I was like, what is like, dad, how do you know? I was like, because I know you. <laughs> and y'all like me and I know me. <laughs> if I was quiet, look for me. I was doing something. So God's like, what, what are you doing? And you forward, again, get the picture. They go out there, needle thread somehow, vine, made the first braid with a vine, I don't know, put these fig leaves together, covered themselves. And God says, that's just a covering. That's not a filling. See, there's a big difference between covering a hole and filling a hole. Big difference. I can, there can be a hole on the ground and I put a nice big old sheet over it and it looks like nothing's there, but the minute you step, you go right through it. Because it's just covering, it's not fixing. So from the beginning of time, mankind has been trying to fix themselves, give an appearance of something, and there is a hole in them that only can be filled by God. 
So even in this first instance, if you forward to verse number 21, God says, hey, wait a second. Look, look what it says here. It says, and also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. What is the significance here? This is the first time in scripture that we see an innocent animal being sacrificed to pay the price of man's sin. It is the first time that we see blood covenant. Pastor, it doesn't say that. Oh, yes, it does. When you open your eyes in the spirit and you read, the only way that you can rip the skin off an animal is with the shedding of blood. It's the only way. So God said, leaves that you're trying to use to fix will not fix this. What you're trying to use to cover the hole will not. You need atonement so that the gap, the vacuum can be filled and have relationship and restoration again. And as a matter of fact, this is a foreshadowing of what it is that we need to go through with Jesus. If you jump to, say here, we're going to come back. But if you go to Galatians chapter 3, verse number 27, it says, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And when you look up the original language and you read what the definition of the word is, it means to have been dressed with Christ. Jesus shed his innocent blood so that us, by our works and covering ourselves with fig leaves, would be able to be removed and be clothed through his skins to be able to have an eternal relationship with the Father and a filling of the vacuum in our heart. But man always thinks that we can figure it out, that we can do it. So we see it also in Cain and Abel. I told you to, go, to stay there. Go to Genesis chapter 4. Cain and Abel, two brothers, sons of Adam and Eve. In chapter 4 of Genesis, verse number, I can't remember now if it's 3 or 4. Verse number 3. And it came in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought of the firstborn of the flock and of their fat, and the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering, and Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. Watch this with me. Say, just stay with me here. Cain grabbed his things from the ground, fruits, vegetables, it doesn't say specifically what it was, but he grabs of what he had done, right? He comes to God to offer to God, this is all the stuff that I can make from this ground. You know, here's some, I don't know, corn and potatoes or whatever it was. I'm giving him of the ground of what he did. God says, there's nothing that you can do to fill the void in our relationship. This is where we get a lot of people that think that by their works, they're going to be able to get to heaven. Church, you will never, ever, ever be able to do enough good to earn your spot in heaven. Doing good works is a facade over the vacuum in our heart that can only be filled by the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ. So Cain 
He's trying to offer to God his works from the ground. Abel takes him the firstborn of one of his animals, of one of his sheep, and think about it. Abel did nothing for the production of that sheep. He kept a boy and a girl sheep together in the same place. That's about it. He didn't do anything. And the sheep, which was blameless and innocent, its life was taken to fill the void, and God saw the shedding of the blood and said, okay, Abel, you and I are good. Cain, you're trying to make it and earn it. It doesn't work that way. Cain got so angry that he takes Abel out to the field and he kills him. First murder that we see in scripture. By the way, he did not use a gun nor a knife. He used a rock or something of that nature. It doesn't say specifically, but we know it wasn't a knife and it wasn't a gun. I say that because humanity has a God filled vacuum or shape in their heart, only shaped by God, and there's evil, which is why we have all the situations going on in our country and around the world. It's not a gun problem. It's not a violence problem. It's a problem because too many people are trying to mask the void of God with stuff or people and circumstance And because it's only a facade, they do evil things. I'm not advocating for anything or the other. I don't own any weapons, nor do I intend to own any. I'm not into it. But for every time somebody stands on a platform or says a thing of, you know, we have a gun crisis, then somebody goes and stabs 15 people with a knife. It's not an issue of guns or knives, it's an issue of the lack of God in people. People that are not seeing the fact that they need a savior. And can I take it a step further? This goes beyond just salvation now. See, because many of us here or listening online or whatever, We've come to God and we are saved, but we haven't allowed him to totally work in our lives and we still put facades to make everything look, it's fine. And then tragedy happens and it's like, I never saw it coming. Why? Because we would never let down the guard to God and say, really, God, just do what you want to do. I don't want to get to heaven just by the skin of my teeth, right? The bare minimum to get there. You remember when you were in school and you were just like, what's the bare minimum I need to get? Oh, I've got an A's in everything. If I get a D on this final, I still have an A in the class. I don't need to study. Anybody else ever do that? I did that. I don't got to study for that one. If I just put my name on it, I already got an A on the class. I'm good, right? Just show up. Get two questions right and we got a good enough thing. I don't want to live my life getting by by the bare minimum. All I, I just got to get come to Jesus and get baptized and I'm good. 
awesome, and then continue to do the rest of the stuff. No, it doesn't work that way. Just like somebody who wants to, to, to get fit, it's not just going to the gym. It's going to the gym. It's editing your diet. It's sleeping more time. It's going to sleep at a reasonable hour so you can wake up. There's a whole lot of things tied into getting into that shape. I know some people that go to the gym just to be able to eat like crazy. All I do is go to the gym so I can splurge on ice cream or whatever, right? Not because they want a true change of things. And so going back to Cain and Abel, they begin to show the difference between us trying to do it. And now what does Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 say? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves, A better translation is is not of works, not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Verse number nine says, not of works, lest any man should boast. Come on, we're humans. What do we do? Something else. I did that. That was me. Right? We boast about stuff. And God says, you ain't getting to heaven because you sewed some fig leaves together. We need the shedding of innocent blood to cover and fill. So Jesus gives up his life so that we could be ransomed and paid for for all eternity. We need to see the void that only can be filled by Christ. John chapter 10, verse number 10. John chapter 10, verse number 10. Go there, underline it, write it. I'm sorry, I'm going to start in verse number seven, not just in 10. Thank you, Mauma. Appreciate it. Um, I'm in Luke. I said John. My bad. Luke, I am your father. Some of y'all never seen Star Wars. You didn't get it. It's okay. Then Jesus said to them, verse number 7, chapter 10, verse of Luke, uh, uh, John. Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All whoever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Jesus is the only way. There's not multiple methods, multiple people. No, no, Jesus is the only way. And then he says in verse number 10, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have a life and that they may have it more abundantly. More abundantly is the word perisos. Can't pronounce it right. Don't worry about it. P-E-R-I-S-S-O-S. It means abundance, superabundance, excessive. Jesus came that through him we may have restoration of the relationship with God. The vacuum is filled so that we can have excessive abundance. And this isn't talking just about stuff. 
It's, it's, it's abundance in, in our relationship with God, in revelation knowledge of your communication with God. Abundance. Yes, God wants you to prosper financially as well, but as your soul prospers. Okay? Coming to Christ ain't a get-rich-quick scheme. As your soul prospers, as you get right and live right with him, God wants you to walk in health. Not one person in the Bible that asked Jesus for healing that Jesus said, nah, I'm too tired. Hey, come back to me in a couple of weeks. I'm busy. Hey, nah, nah, you know what? If your hair was a little different, maybe. No. Healed them all. And then in verse number 11, he says, I'm the good shepherd. It's not just a shepherd. No, no, no. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives life, his life, for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. It's a difference. I don't know if, you, if, if, if any of you here is a business owner or you've seen it in the workplace where you work, right? Usually there's nobody that will put the effort that the owner puts in. It's their business, their name, their, their, their thing. And Jesus is saying that, I'm the good shepherd. I will give my life for the sheep. The hirelings, they see the wolf come and they're like, nah, I, ain't, I don't get paid enough for that. Have at them. Circle of life. Wolves got to eat the sheep. No. Anyways. Yeah, I haven't seen Lion King either. I get it. I get it. Maybe if I said a kuna matata or something. I don't know. A away, a wee a wee away. Um, the hireling, the hireling's like, no. I'm not going after them. Do you remember what David said? What did David tell Saul? You know, I, was a pa- I was a shepherd. I-, I was out in the field. And when they came, I went after it. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. I will give my life for the sheep. A hireling runs away. Then it says in verse number 13 again, the hireling flees because he is a hireling, does not care about the sheep. I'm the good shepherd. And I know my sheep and I'm known by my, sh- my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Okay? If you haven't gotten it yet, we are the sheep. Okay? And other sheep, watch this verse here, and other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. In other words, John 3, 16, that says, For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus here is saying, I've got my sheep that I give my life for, and there's some other sheep out there that are not part of this fold, that when they see, when they hear my voice, they will recognize and they will come into the fold. And we have an entire world of people that have not seen their need of Jesus. 
and are trying to find it or fix it on their own. Jesus said, no, there's going to come a time. They're going to hear my voice. Then the next verse, verse number 17, therefore, my father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my father. What command? We'll go back in time to Genesis. Adam covers himself. God says, that's not enough. Kills an animal and clothes them with skin. And then has a meeting with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And says, man messed up. And the perfect bond that we had is now broken. And in every single man, again, when I'm saying man, it means mankind, woman as well, okay? And every man will have a vacuum of the space that is supposed to be filled by me. So temporarily, once a year, we're going to have to kill an animal to pay the price so we can have this communion. But Jesus, one day, you're going to go be born of a woman by seed of the Holy Spirit to be the ultimate sacrifice once and for all to fill the void in every man who chooses to believe. In Genesis, we see the foreshadow of salvation through Jesus Christ. The shedding of his blood. And Jesus said, I'm laying down my life. And then he continues to say, watch, look what it says. People, after Jesus says this, verse 19, therefore there was a division again among all the Jews because of these sayings. And many of them said, he has a demon and is mad. Okay, not mad, upset, but like crazy. Why do you listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind church we need to see the need of jesus in our lives and the lives of others and when we have seen the need of jesus and we come to him part of our prayer needs to be for those that have not opened their eyes yet to be able to see their need of a savior Somebody sent me this video the other day. Uh, Joel, can you help me move this out of the way real quick? I'm going to show you this video real quick. I want you to watch it, read it, because the audio is not super loud on it. Go ahead and throw it up for me. Is it coming? It froze? I know, it was cold outside, so the computer froze. <laughs> Tell the computer to let it go. <laughs> Why don't you look at the expression on his oh, face? That'll be the biggest surprise, right? He finds out. 
Look at his look at his face. This man lived 65 years not being able to see color. He could see, but he couldn't see color. And he says it, I don't need it. I'm used to this. You all talk about this color stuff, but I've seen people get emotional when they hear about color or they see color for the first time. That's not going to happen to me. I don't need it until he saw it. This video was sent to me by a young man that I've had the privilege of being mentoring, talking with, comes to our church, and he sent a message in our group chat the other day. I'm trying to find it. Give me a second. I'm in the wrong one. And he wrote this with this message. Say, hey guys, I just, random video I came across, I was explaining to my wife and wanted to let it out here for you guys too. I feel like this video is a representation of how I was before finding Jesus compared to after. And the same way I feel heaven is. Something that is just indescribable until you experience it. I felt everything was good before Jesus. Life was just colorless. But something I got used to, I guess. But with him, it's taking me to another level of amazing. And the world looks so different. We need the world to see their need of Jesus. We have seen color. And we look and we're like, man, uh, uh, green. And it's like, what shade of green? There's hunter green, lilac green. This I, I was at somebody's workplace the other day and they deal with signs or whatever. And they had like, you know, uh, two walls of different shades of blue and a wall of greens and a wall of this, and all the different colors. Because now it's not just like red. It's like, you know, I was doing a wedding a, a couple years ago. What, what how do you want me to wear? I want you to wear burgundy burnt red orange. I was like, what the heck is that? Look, just pick this tie for me. <laughs> I got to know what color that is. And that's what it is. The world has all these different things out there. And we've got the answer, man. His name is Jesus. And we talk about Jesus and sometimes people don't understand because they can't see color. And not until they see us living a life that pleases Jesus will they not experience it and put him on and then you see this person who perhaps has been this hard person their entire life break down before God. Why? Because Jesus. A person who dealt with so many different things, but, and now they're okay. Why? Because of Jesus. Because they were blind and now they see. And we need to pray and intercede for those around us that are blind to have their eyes open to be able to see their need of Jesus. And church, if we already have the filled void, what are we doing allowing people around us to think it's okay just to cover it with a fig leaf? I challenge you 
first Sunday of 2020, I challenge you. Okay? I'm going to go back to my childhood days of Nickelodeon. I double dog dare you. To every opportunity you have, pray for people that they may see. Talk to people that they may see. Their need for Jesus.